In this podcast episode, we want to introduce you to our BCE and friend, Corey Scheidemann. Michael Dexter and Mark Eggers talk with Corey about living in Colorado his entire life and his career from firefighter to emergency nurse and everything in between. Corey talks about opioid abuse and what he is doing to combat the opioid epidemic in his region. This episode is called From Firefighter to Emergency Nurse. Hello, and welcome to BCN and Friends podcast, where we hold interesting conversations about learning with a range of thought leaders, BCN certification holders, and industry professionals. But most importantly, create value and insight for you, our professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. We hope you find our discussions interesting, informative, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, but always valuable. I'm Mark Eggers, Manager of Education and Technology Services at BCN, and one of your hosts for today. I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Dexter, Director of Professional Development at BCN. Hi, Michael. Hey, Mark. Great to be with you again today. Thanks. In this episode of BCN and Friends, we have Corey Scheidemann. Michael, could you please tell us about our friend and BCN friend, Corey? Yeah, Mark, I'd be happy to. Corey Scheidemann was born and raised in Colorado. Corey grew up as a fire brat, as he would say, with his father as a volunteer firefighter and would often respond to calls with his father uh, back in the 80s. And then in high school, Corey became one of the first school to career firefighters and started his fire career. He worked as a career firefighter for five years before he was offered a job in the emergency department as an EMT in a critical access hospital in southeast Colorado. Corey fell in love with emergency nursing and went to nursing school. He started working on the surgical floor for a year until he was able to get in a level two trauma center ED for 12 years. In that capacity, he was a stretcher side nurse, relief charge nurse, permanent charge nurse, educator, and now manager of a freestanding emergency department within the same system that he has been in for over 15 years. In 2019, he was asked to help develop and roll out a medication-assisted treatment program in six emergency departments, and since then, he has developed a strong connection with the community partners. Corey is an active member of the Colorado ENA, serving as a treasurer, and sits on the IQSIP committee and fundraising committee. He works with the Colorado Naloxone Project, which is naloxoneproject.com, and he also works with the Northern Colorado Mental Health Substance Use Alliance and the Northern Colorado Harm Reduction Alliance. Corey, welcome to the BCN and Friends podcast. It is a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And, you know, we talked about you, you know, in your words, being a fire brat and some of the past experiences you had uh, in, in firefighting, EMS, pre-hospital and, and you know, working in the, in the ED as an EMT. But can you tell us just a little bit more about yourself and a little bit more about your nursing career uh, outside of that? Yeah, as you uh, uh, mentioned, you know, I started off as in kind of the going down the fire department kind of side of things. And uh, once I got when I started working in the emergency department, I absolutely fell in love with um, what I got to do, not not only just within the department, but also um, very importantly to me, which was um, providing sense of uh, community engagement and doing good for the greater cause of my community. So that was one of the, my uh, greatest uh, things was going into the nursing career. And then, uh, you know, fast forward, working in a, in an emergency department. And I really, I really embraced the emergency department role and what we were seeing happened several years ago. You know, we re- re- recognized that we were 
we were just giving all sorts of narcotics um, opiates to every every kind of patient you can think of. And, and we started seeing this trend of uh, problems coming up. And so the department I worked with, uh, one of the ED docs and I rolled out a uh, an ALTO program, which is the alternates to opiate use for, you know, si simple things such as like a kidney stone, instead of giving them a bunch of Dilaudid and fentanyl and things like that, we were we were finding out we could give them things like Toradol and uh, and lidocaine, and, and and the patients were weren't getting that same effects, and it significantly decreased uh, the amount of um, meds that we were given in the emergency department. We were one of the first to really push push that in the state, and then fast forward cut another couple of more years and. Um, started learning about uh, medication-assisted treatment in, in the emergency department, and uh, it was it was game on from there. I started working with a bunch of our community members and figured out how we can make this this work with with that program. And um, I've learned a lot about addiction. I think it's one of those things that you just you, you should never stop learning. And this is a perfect example. I was never taught anything in uh, anything in nursing school about addiction other than, you know, people who have addictions are, are bad people. And um, that's not necessarily the truth. These people are just really trying to survive. Yeah, I think that's a good point. As uh, you know, I've told a lot of people and, and you know, you were a former ER educator and now a manager. And, you mm -hmm. know, when you talk with some of the newer nurses coming in to help them get a, a grasp on some of these repeat, uh, you know, what, what are commonly termed frequent flyers or the ones that come into the ED multiple times and they don't understand why. And, you know, I tell them a lot that people don't generally just wake up and decide that they want to be an opioid abuser. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, background to every person's story and everybody comes in and we're really only seeing a picture of that story. And, you know, I appreciate your insight on, on not only your career, but mentioning these, these things that you're doing uh, to combat opioid abuse. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of initiatives, there's a lot of national initiatives for this and even, you know, the DEA has made a, a fentanyl awareness day. But I think the other good thing to talk about in relation to this conversation is what can we do? We're all aware of the problem and you're certainly aware of the problem. And you've, you've made comments about things that you and another physician that you work with have done. But what else uh, can you do to combat opioid epidemic? Not only you personally as Corey, but what could you, the listener, do uh, to work in your area uh, and, and some of the practices you've implemented that you've seen very successful? Yeah, so I, I guess the first thing that I really would push toward would be uh, really pushing towards just learning what addiction really is and opiate use disorder. I, uh, I saw a presentation by a provider called, um, his name was uh, Dr. Corey Waller, um, and he he put on a, he has a great uh, uh, YouTube presentation. If you just do Corey Waller uh, addiction, there's a great presentation that he does and he really just breaks it down. And I think that's one of the first things you need to do um, as a provider is really learn and really embrace what, why people are fighting so hard is such a, um, a survival mode that these poor people are, are, are in. They're literally in brain failure. You know, we talk about um, kidney failure and like heart failure and stuff like that. And in truly these people are in a brain failure and they're, they're not getting any dopamine in their brains and um, 
or you know it's being released and uh you know those are the things that motivate you and you know they're in the survival mode of if they don't use they feel like they will literally die and one of the things you know just just learning that and how you approach people and really kind of just reducing that stigma of uh what these people are really going through and then provide you know looking into um providing uh, some resources for them. It's not, you know, we always talk about, oh, I'll just give them some resources, give them a pamphlet. That doesn't work. They they need something right then and there. And so that's one of the reasons why we started doing, um, we started doing mat inductions with uh, buprenorphine in the uh, in emergency department because we found statistically that they're most likely to continue this than if they were to re be referred and go to uh, a you know, an outpatient provider. Um, the other thing that, uh, you know, we're seeing with this last uh, couple of years, we saw a 54% increase in um, fentanyl use overdose deaths in Colorado. And that's, we're seeing that across the United States. And that was 2019 to 2020. Um, still waiting for the 2021 data to come out, but um, it's, it, it's coming out and um, we're seeing it everywhere. It's across the nation. Everybody's facing this. They're lacing fentanyl in uh, absolutely every kind of drug. So ecstasy, um, Xanax, anything that's specific. A lot of times they're trying to put it in mostly pill forms. And then even things like marijuana, they're lacing it with marijuana. And the reason why they do that is because they want that person to come back. They get used to that drug providing that. And unfortunately, it's caused a lot of deaths and a lot of unintentional deaths. And we're seeing this across um, a lot of the uh, uh, high school age, adolescent ages, uh, anywhere between 14 and 20 years old. And um, these pa patients think that we just had three deaths uh, just the other um, couple of weeks ago down in Denver. Three kids thought they were taking, you know, I think it was Xanax that they thought they were taking and ended up dying. And it's just, it's, it has to stop. And so, um, you know, just really learning more and then teaching and educating our, our patients too. Um, if you're going to buy marijuana, buy it from a dispensary, you know, uh, simple things, little things like that. Uh, they have these fentanyl test strips that you can use. We're trying to get those out everywhere we possibly can. Um, the other thing that I've really become um, partner with is uh, we have a, a program here in Colorado that's called the Colorado uh, Naloxone Project. We got a grant to provide uh, with this uh, project, we got a grant to provide naloxone to uh, anybody that's at risk in the emergency department, discharge them home with a kit in hand. Instead of just giving that patient uh, a prescription, we're actually giving them an in-hand naloxone and, and hopefully that will, uh, we've already heard multiple times across the state how many times this has already helped save people's lives. And so um, I would learn and I would carry naloxone myself and, and, and you know, when patients and you hand it to them, they're like, well, I don't need that. We can even say, even I carry that around because you never know who you're going to come across and who you can save. Yeah, that's a good point. I was going to, I was thinking about that as you spoke of what is the patient response to a, a healthcare provider handing them a, a kit with naloxone and has it been fairly positive overall or, or what are your. It takes experience? people back. And um, 
and some of the people they're they're a little shocked by like whoa what why would you give this to me or you know if we start an addiction you know if we do the medication assisted treatment in the emergency department provide uh, buprenorphine in the ed um we also always give them a uh, naloxone kit and they go well isn't this supposed to help yes it is supposed to help but we're also going to give this to you in case you you yourself were to lapse which is not uncommon for um, somebody who has an addiction problem or you come across somebody that is having it you're you're more likely to have somebody that might uh, reach out to you or be around some um, that around that situation and patients, you know, they, they're taken back by it at first, but then they're like, oh, that makes, that makes total sense. So they seem to really uh, embrace that actually. Well, that's great. I appreciate you sharing that. And I think it's something, you know, as you've mentioned the, the online education through that physician on YouTube and, mm-hmm. and through some of these partnerships and alliances within the state of Colorado, I hope that, you know, to the listener that that maybe will instill some some drive to find those resources in your area and to reach out, um, even even to reach out to Corey if you need to, to, to get some help and assistance with that. Absolutely. A couple of years ago, uh, just driving through the South, I saw, um, I think I was in uh, Louisiana and I saw a sign on a telephone post uh, about having an addiction, we have a medication for you, call this number. I saw it there, I see it around Colorado, but it's, that's almost like an afterthought. So if we can really talk to young adults, um, talk to, you know, get in the high schools and middle schools and really provide that education uh, about the, the risk of, of these medications, um, I think that's another uh, huge thing. Uh, the committee that I sit on, which is the IQSIP uh, meeting, uh, the Institute for Quality, Safety and Injury Prevention, you know, that's a, another initiative that uh, here in Colorado that we're really pushing for is uh, trying to get not just this education out, but even trying to get, uh, we're trying, I haven't quite got there, but uh, with the Colorado Naloxone Project, we're trying to get uh, naloxone in the hands of uh, all ER uh, nurses as well and providers, ER nurses and docs. Wow, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And you know, I wanted to pull the focus a little bit back from just the opioid epidemic alone. I think you and I could probably talk all day about <laughs> that. But, um, yeah. you know, you, I, I believe, have been a nurse about 15 years or so or, or been around the medical field for that long, if not longer. And, yeah. you know, I wanted to ask you, you know, through, through your lens and, and all of the things you've been discussing, what is the importance of being a lifelong learner? And what do you feel is important for nurses everywhere to be a lifelong learner? I always have that attitude of what can what what can I learn today, and I'm always learning, looking for more. I'm always reading um, journals and articles and things like that, and uh, really trying to be able to provide the best care that I can for the patients that we take care of. And um, for a lifelong learner, like we're never done. This is a perfect example of um, I didn't really know much about addiction until I. you know, I came across it. And as an, as a lifelong learner that I think all nurses should be is you should never stop where you're at. should always be progressing, always doing something more. Um, I have three certifications behind my name because of that, because I'm always learning, always wanting to find out more. BCN puts out a ton of uh, information. ENA provides a, a ton of information. 
uh, our hospital systems that we work for provide all sorts of education. Uh, I love going to uh, the um, nat national conferences every year. It's, it just inspires you. And sometimes it's, it's silly because sometimes you go to these uh, conferences and you're like, man, I have been doing that for years. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, this is such a new idea. And I, I, it makes you really feel good about what you do sometimes, you know, as a system and as a, as a department gives you the direction to keep just going forward. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I think there's so much opportunity out there now. Uh, there's more free online education than ever. There's more paid online education. There's more conferences than ever. There's so many opportunities for nurses to take hold of. It's really, you know, placed into our hands as the nurse to, to reach out and grasp those opportunities and move forward, you know, for the good of ourselves and our profession and our patients. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. I, I'm gonna go ahead and turn it back over to you, Mark. I know you have some more questions for Corey and Corey, thank you so much for the great insight. Yeah, absolutely. Great, thank you, Michael. Uh, Corey, can you tell us about a person or a moment in your career that has greatly impacted you? You know, I, I, I have so many, being in this field, um, I have so many stories, so many funny stories, some very inappropriate stories. I think the one that still just, you know, just gets to me every single day it has nothing to do with uh, um, medication-assisted treatment or naloxone or fentanyl or anything like that. But uh, it was a uh, I was working at the trauma center and we had we had this uh, two patients come in. It was a rollover motor vehicle crash. It was a, uh, a Native American who had um, drove all the way across the country to get a horse, and they were driving back and. Um, somebody cut him off on, on the interstate. It was this gentleman, his wife, and then um, their daughter, who was, uh, I believe she was around six years old. And they were driving an older vehicle and she was buckled in, but it was just a lap buckle. Her parents came to us and they flew the, uh, the, the kiddo to uh, um, the local children's hospital, which is down in Denver. It's about an hour away. And it's in the middle of the night. We got the parents in and out as quick as we could, but their car was completely wrecked and, and um, the, uh, undrivable. And so um, I was actually in charge that day and I ended up calling, talking to the charge nurse down there and in the emergency department, and they you know, said that their, their daughter was in critical condition. Um, the parents needed to get there as soon as they could, and uh, there was there was no no transportation. This was about ten ish years ago. We didn't have things like Uber and Lyft and things like that, and so um, we weren't too busy. So I said, you know what, I'm going to put you in my vehicle, and I drove them down there as quick as I could just to to get them down there. Um, and it's something I feel like it has nothing to necessarily to do with nursing. You know, we as nurses we we help patients all day long, but this was a, uh, I'm a father myself, and um, this was one of those things that uh, one human being to the next or one parent to the next to do the right thing and just get them down there. I don't know the outcome of it. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I didn't go in with them, but I, I got them down there as quick as, we, quick as we could. So thank you, Corey. I appreciate you sharing that with us. I'm going to turn a little bit now to uh, what we call our rapid fire question. Okay. So let's begin with, what would you be doing if you were not in your current role? Is there anything growing up that you thought about, oh, I'll do this or I'll do that? Or is there something you wanted to do? 
Um, I guess I always wanted to be a pilot, but uh, you know, now that I'm a, a older uh, in my career, uh, <laughs> I, I I laugh and joke a little bit that I would love to work at a um, at a all inclusive resort and be a bartender and just all you do is make everybody happy. <laughs> I'll drink to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good, excellent. Now I have some favorite questions to ask you. So, uh, what is your favorite? um my favorite book uh is uh just recently read it and um it's the subtle art of not giving an f i won't say the whole thing but uh it it is a great great read and i would recommend anybody read that one all right good well as soon as i asked you what your favorite book was you started laughing i i thought it was gonna be something (laughs) good how about your favorite movie favorite movie uh that's a toss-up uh tombstone or shawshank redemption two good movies gotcha excellent and how about a favorite song oh uh i don't know that i really have one to be honest i have all sorts of just just depends on the mood i'm in okay all right that's good that's fine excellent and how about i always love this one what would be a good comfort food or meal that you enjoy key lime pie that's my that's my vice or ice cream. Gotcha. Both of them are very good. And how about uh, hobbies or interest? What other hobbies or interests do you have? Outside of work and professional organizations that I work with, uh, you know, I, I always laugh and joke a little bit and say, you know, I'm a full-time father and my, my two older boys, uh, my oldest son just graduated. So now just the younger ones in, um, in marching band. And so, uh, we're always doing stuff like that, but I also like to uh, fly fish and um, hunt, or I guess more like hiking with guns. Um, I am a an avid muzzleload muzzleloader uh, hunter. Uh, not always successful, but uh, I, I love getting out into the outdoors and hiking and stuff like that. So. Excellent. In Colorado, you have plenty of places to go, that's for sure. Plenty of places. So if our audience would like to follow you online, uh, Social media-wise, I understand you're on LinkedIn? Yes. Okay, and they can reach you at, I guess, LinkedIn at Corey Scheidemann, right? And they could look you up on there. So for our audience, I will put that in the notes as far as the description of this podcast so you can find them on there. Well, Corey, I want to thank you for taking the time, today for joining us on this episode of BCN. And thank you for sharing your time, your stories, your interests, your thoughts, just everything. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And to all of our listeners, we hope you stay tuned as we continue on with BCN and Friends and bring in new and meaningful content and perspectives. If you have a suggestion for an episode, please email us at bcn at bcn.org. I'm Mark Eggers here with Michael Dexter, and on behalf of the entire BCN team, we thank and celebrate you for all that you are doing as professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. Until next time, 